Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Law Librarian Conversations on Blog Talk Radio, the podcast about all things law library, legal bibliography, and the law library profession. Thanks for joining us. Hello there. Um, hello, uh, law library ends and um, listeners today on the podcast. Welcome to Law Librarian Conversations. I'm your host, Richard Leiter, calling to you from the currently frozen heart of the heartland, Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm looking outside. There's nothing but gloom, no snow, but just frigid, frigid air. But I have got lots of company, I understand. Most of the people who are listening, I'm sure, are equally um, frozen. Um, But we're going to have a fun time this afternoon with our um, um, PLLIP town hall. Um, We're going to heat things up, right? We're going to heat things up. Try to. And um, I'm not even going to try to go through the list of everybody who's here because PLLIP, as Frank and I know, we used to be uh, private law librarians way back when, mm-hmm. and when when the IP wasn't even um, <laughs> considered as part of our uh, titles, we didn't um, know what information but, was. Well, yeah, we we never called it that. We just no. called it books. But um, we um, uh, it's a huge um, uh, uh, segment of AAWL and an important one. And so they have a commensurately large um, executive board. It's an impressive group. We'll go through and we'll interview everybody or introduce everybody in a few minutes. But um, why don't we get started? I want to remind everybody who um, is either calling in or is um, uh, on the line. It looks like we already have a few people who have called in who might um, uh, have questions for us all. We'll get to these calls in just a second. And then we're going to um, uh, turn to our special guests and a regular contributor to the podcast, Frank Hodak. Hello, Frank. Hey, Rich. How are you? I I think you can keep that cold weather. We're cold here, but we don't want the cold you have. Yeah, man. And you're um, you're down Carbondale. I am um, relaxing, studying history. Frank's <laughs> going to give us a um, a little insight into law library uh, history from the um, uh, having to do with uh, private law libraries and information professionals in just a second. And then we're going to turn to our main event today, which is going to be the town hall. Oh. And I was going to say, those of you who are uh, listening in, um, please, um, you know, go to the website, uh, register for the, excuse me, for the uh, chat room. Um, That's always a good uh, uh, place to throw out questions uh, for our panelists. And in today's uh, case, the executive board. 
and um, a way that you can interact with uh, Mandy or me and um, well, the rest of us who are on the call. So without any further ado, let me just take care of a little um, business here. I have uh, three calls. I want to see if they are members of the board or if they're just listeners or callers in. I've got somebody from the 213 area code from Los Angeles, 617-5429. Who's this? That's Eric Adams. Eric, are you um, on the um, panel or are you calling in with a comment or listening in? I must confess I called in because I didn't realize I could listen online. Oh, okay. Well, feel free to um, uh, hang in there. Okay. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Um, let's see. And then we have somebody else from the 202 area code um, who just called in um, 202 prefix 408. Who might that be? Are you just listening? Okay. And we have somebody um, from a 212 area code that, I apologize for sounding so discombobulated, but I've never had this many people on a panel. Let's see. And who might you be? 212 prefix 474. You just listening or? Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay. And we have somebody from the 312 area code, which my recollection Chicago. is correct. Chicago, yeah. Yeah, and that would be me, Rich. Who's this? This is, this is Alan Moy, Rich. How are you? Alan, hi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're listening in? You I have am. A comment? Okay. No, no, I, I was invited, and I just, I just want to hear what it's about. All right. Hi, well, good. Oh, this Mandy Lee just said hello. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So let's get started. Um, and then we, uh, Frank, um, why don't you take it away? I will uh, when be you're happy done, to. We will um, we'll then turn to the uh, board. So um, go for it. Okay, Rich. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, at least in some small measure, re- return to one of my roots in law librarianship uh, because I did uh, was a member of a private law library uh, uh, as a librarian for, for the early part of my career. So I'm going to begin by saying in July 1979, I attended the 72nd annual meeting of the American Association of Law Libraries in San Francisco. It was only my second annual meeting, but my first as a private law librarian. In fact, attending the meeting was the very first thing I did as the new librarian of Lawler, Felix, and Hall, a mid-sized law firm in Los Angeles, which I had just joined after four years as a reference librarian at what was then called the Los Angeles County Law Library, now simply the L.A. Law Library. To save money, my wife and I stayed with a friend across the bay in Sausalito, so I got to take the ferry each morning to go to, into the city and attend the conference. The Fairmont Hotel, where the meeting was held, was the most elegant place in which I'd ever been, 
And because the sophisticated Tom Reynolds of UC Berkeley was chair of local arrangements, there were bottles of red and white wine on each table at the closing banquet, no charge. But the most memorable aspect of the meeting for me, the neophyte private law librarian, was the palpable energy I experienced as I immersed myself in all things PLL. This included educational programs, the PLL business meeting, and especially the inspirational presence of the two private law librarians then serving on the AALL executive board, Lorraine Culpa of General Motors and Stanley Pierce of O'Melveny and Myers in Los Angeles. So I begin with this story not to toot my horn as a private law librarian. After all, I left Lawler after three years and became an academic law librarian for the rest of my career. But really to provide a personal illustration of what I think is an institutional truth. For even as I was energized by the rising tide of PLL in 1979, the private law library sector has continually energized the entire association for years. It is no exaggeration to say that it has been a major driver in the evolution of AALL. I hope to demonstrate the truth of this uh, in the following essay that I have titled Energizing AALL, a highly selective and brief account of the contributions of private law librarians to the association. Because of the usual time constraints, I can only describe a few firsts in the private law librarian AALL relationship. But even with that limitation, many events and way too many names will be admitted, omitted. For this, I apologize in advance. But enough with the introduction. Let's begin. To do that, I'm going to go all the way back to June 26, 1931, the heart of the Great Depression, when LOTUS, that's L-O-T-U-S, what a great name for a law librarian, Lotus Mitchell Mills, librarian of the Sullivan and Cromwell Law Firm in New York City, became the very first private law librarian to hold national office when she was elected to the combined position of AAL secretary and treasurer. She held this position from 1931 to 1934. In 1933, Mills made history in another way when she wrote the first article in Law Library Journal to explore the characteristics of a law firm library and describe the work of a private law librarian. Titled Law Librarianship in Private Offices, Mills' article noted that, quote, the most distinctive feature of a private law office library is its collection of memoranda of law prepared in the office, end quote. Given these important firsts, it was no surprise that in 2010, a special selection committee made Lotus Mitchell Mills an inaugural inductee into the AALL Hall of Fame as a pioneer. Moving next to 1948, Elizabeth Finley, librarian at Covington and Burling in Washington, D.C., began what became the longest tenure of any individual to serve as AALL treasurer eight years from 1948 to 1956. Like Mills, in 1947, Finley had also written a seminal article titled Law Office Libraries, in which she prophetically stated that, quote, a law, firm's a law firm library is the information center and coordinating center of the office. It is in these aspects that a law firm library differs from other libraries, end quote. As we will see, Finley continued to contribute to AALL in many ways, even after retirement, leading Jack Ellenberger, her successor at Covington and Burley, Burling, to recall that Finley, 
started to work for ALL the minute she learned of its existence. She willingly assumed many jobs that were short on glamour, but long on detail and hard work. The association recognized the contributions of this pioneer of law firm librarianship on several occasions. In 1966, with a special citation for distinguished service to AAAL. Again, in 1994, with the Marion Gould Gallagher Distinguished Service Award. And finally, in 2010, when she too was included in the inaugural class of inductees into the AALL Hall of Fame. We'll now jump a decade to 1959 when Jack Ellenberger, then at Carter, Ledyard, and Milburn in New York City, first took the national stage. AALL President Francis Farmer of the University of Virginia appointed Ellenberger as the founding chair of the association's first ever standing committee on private law libraries. Explaining the significance of this action, Ellenberger wrote in the committee's annual report that, quote, as a result of the attendance of nearly 50 representatives of firm and company libraries at the 1959 AALL convention in New York City, the executive board acknowledged the growing importance of such membership by authorizing the formation of this, the newest of AALL committees, end quote. On June 29, 1961, two years after the formation of the Committee on Firm Libraries, another milestone was reached when AALL President Helen Rolfe presented the gavel to Elizabeth Finley at the closing luncheon of the 54th annual meeting held in Boston. With this simple gesture, Finley of Covington and Burling became the first private law librarian to serve as AALL president. A singular moment in the association's history, especially when you realize that when Finley joined AALL in 1939, there were only two other private law librarians listed on the membership rolls. In the next year, 1962, members of the Private Law Libraries Committee, now chaired by Bernice McDermott of Dewey Ballantyne in New York City, contributed to the development of a groundbreaking book called Manual of Procedures for Private Law Libraries, which was issued as number five in the AALL publication series. Finley, who had retired in 1963 at age 65 after 42 years, Experience as a law firm librarian, prepared a second edition in 1966 that was nearly twice the length of the original. Decades later, Marie Wallace, by then a national figure in the private law library world, attested to the importance of Finley's work by writing, quote, I never met Elizabeth Finley, but through her book, she was always available, practical and wise, and all the counsel she had to offer, end quote. Two years later, private law librarians played a pivotal role in another critically important first for the association when, on June 29, 1964, the executive board opened a fund drive to finance the creation of a permanent headquarters in Chicago. With the goal of raising $220,000 by 1967, the campaign was co chaired by two private librarians. Eileen Murphy of the General Motors Corporation legal staff, and William D. Murphy of Kirkland and Ellis in Chicago. Eileen, who was not related to Bill, explained why she cajoled him into joining her as co chair. Quote, I thought it would be a good idea to have the financial artist on the committee. Bill had been ALL treasurer from 1959 to 64. 
my other reason was that if you had a noisy, wild, imaginative, idealistic Murphy, as she described herself, she ought to be paired with a rather noble, level-headed Murphy, and the combination ought to be able to do something. Indeed, they did do something, for within a year, AALL hired its first full-time paid employee and established a permanent headquarters in the historic Monadnock building in the Chicago Loop, where it remained for 45 years until relocating just a few blocks away in spring 2009. The next contribution I will highlight occurred on July 6, 1972. Although several private law librarians had already served as AALL officers, Jack Ellenberger, then at Covington and Burling, became the first to serve on the executive board when he took office at the conclusion of the annual meeting in Chicago. Um, in doing so, he paved the way for the many private law librarians who would follow in his footsteps on the board, including, among others, not only uh, Culpa and Pierce, who I've already mentioned, but also Sue Dyer of Morrison and Forrester, Donna Tukey of Winston and Strawn, legal, later Legal Information Alert, uh, Sandy Peterson and Kate Martin, both of Morgan, Lewis, and Bacchius, Al Podboy of Baker and Hostetler, Carl Grubin of Squire, Sanders, and Dempsey, Lucy Kersey-Gonzalez of Kenyon and Kenyon, Amy Eaton of Perkins and Coy, and currently Emily Florio of Finnegan, Henderson, et al. Quite an impressive group, and I, I left out a bunch because there's a limit to how much time I've got. Um, let's move on to 1976, when, uh, as further proof of the expanding importance of private law librarians at its mid-year meeting uh, on December 28th, the AALL Executive Board approved petitions for the creation of the association's first seven special interest sections, including the Private Law Libraries SIS, or PLL, which had evolved from the Committee on Law Firm Libraries begun in 1959. Marie Wallace, whom I've already mentioned, of Kendall and Anderson in Los Angeles, was a prime mover behind the development of the new PLL SIS just as she was a year later when she organized the first program for private law librarians offered by a national continuing education uh, organization. This was the Practicing Law Institute's program called the Private Law Firm Library, an integral tool of the law firm. For this and many other important contributions, ALL presented Wallace with the Marion Gould Gallagher Distinguished Service Award in 1997. A unique first involving a private law librarian occurred on September 1, 1988, when Bill Murphy, now librarian emeritus of Kirkland and Ellis in Chicago, assumed the position of interim executive director of the association following the July resignation of, it, of the first executive director, William Jepson. This made Murphy made him the first and to date the only law librarian of any type to serve as AAL's executive director. Murphy had recorded another private law library first a year earlier when he became the very first to receive AAL's highest honor, the Marion Gould Gallagher Distinguished Service Award. Carolyn Ahern, librarian at Shaw, Pittman, Potts, and Trowbridge of Washington, D.C., and the fourth private librarian to serve as AALL president, achieved yet another AALL first at the 1992 annual meeting when she initiated the member open forum following the general business meeting. The forum allows members to present an item of interest without the usual constraints of parliamentary procedure. Uh, begun in 19 1992, it continues to this day. 
Mark Estes of Holm, Roberts, and Owen in, in Denver, who became the fifth private law librarian to serve as president at the conclusion of this annual meeting, moderated the initial forum, a transcript of which was later published in Law Library Journal. Since 1994, ALL has periodically sponsored colloquiums, bringing librarians and publishers together to discuss matters of mutual interest. As ALL president, Kay Todd of Paul Hastings, Janoski, and Walker of Atlanta convened the very first such colloquium on April 7th and 8th, 1994, to consider the future of electronic information and spark policy-level discussions on a variety of issues. Todd, who also served uh, as a member of the executive board prior to becoming president and chaired numerous standing and special committees, has been a tireless worker for the association for decades. She was elected to the AALL Hall of Fame in 2013. Another AALL first occurred in 1996 when the task force on the value of law libraries, chaired by former executive board member Patricia Patterson of Schiff, Harden, and Waite in Chicago, sponsored the association's first ever electronic roundtable discussion over a four-week period in May 1996. The topic of the roundtable was the future of the law firm library. Utilizing Allnet, a variety of participants, including librarians, attorneys, information providers, and legal administrators, addressed questions about the library's role within the firm, about technology, outsourcing, and downsizing the library. The same tireless Kay Todd edited a transcript of the roundtable, which was published in Law Library Journal. These are have been impressive uh, contributions uh, so far that I've uh, talked about, uh, and there really is no end to the contributions that private librarians have made to ALL, but I know I'm running out of time. We've got other things to do this afternoon, so I'm going to close with a final first, this by Mark Estes, another private law librarian who's been inducted into the ALL Hall of Fame. With the September-October 2007 issue, Estes became the first and to date only private law librarian to serve as the editorial director of ALL Spectrum. In his first issue, Mark wrote that he, quote, wanted each issue of Spectrum to energize each member in some way and that under his direction the magazine would explore the ever-changing world of law librarianship. For me, this commitment to energize and to explore change perfectly symbolizes both the spirit and the contributions that private law librarians have made to ALL. Fueled by the leaders of the Private Law Librarians and Information Professional Special Interest Section, PLLIP, I have no doubt that this will only continue in the future. For that reason, it's a pleasure to contribute even in a very small way through this essay to today's town hall meeting. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you very much, Frank. My pleasure. It was it was fascinating to uh, to go back in history and identify uh, the, the the so many times where uh, private law librarians made such important contributions to to AALL and to and to the profession generally. And as I said several times, I you know there's you know you could. I could spend four or five hours on this, not just 10 or oh, 15 yeah. minutes. But in any case, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and just in my own memory, I got started in law firms. In fact, if you even remember, you were working at the yes, L.A. Yes. County Library. You, and you were at Irel and Manila. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
you taught me uh, everything I know about legislative history. <laughs> on the I'm fly. sure you've surpassed me uh, long ago. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll tell you, it's, um, you know, you can't understate really the um, importance of PLL as a group within uh, our organization, in my opinion. I mean, it, but in one one way that never really gets enough um, attention, and then I'll and then we'll move on to the main event. But um, I just have to to bring it up whenever I get a chance. You know, the quality of the reference work that is done and the research that's done in law firms and uh, you know everybody here at the executive board you all are um, the quality of work that you do on a day-to-day basis is just so far beyond the uh, ken of most um, academic law library reference librarians um, it, it, this is the best example that I can come up with I worked for few years at Irel and Manila and then Mitchell Silberberg and Nup or um, no it was uh, another firm in San Francisco and then uh, uh, Littler Mendelssohn and I just was so jazzed um, you know in the work that I was doing and finally when I um, went to work at the reference desk at the University of Texas you know, after all this hype, and I was so excited and so nervous for my first reference question, and I remember it distinctly when uh, you know I was just sweating bullets, waiting for someone to come up and give me a question, and um, the first reference question I got was a student walked up and put his book down, pointed, and said, "What does S?" W2D <laughs> And I thought, oh man, yeah. I'm so far, so far beyond where I used to be. But uh, that's a good juxtaposition in the, the uh, quality of work that academics and law firm uh, people do. It's almost sometimes like the difference between the uh, Green Berets and the rest of us. Anyway. Enough of that. Cameron. Yes. Are you still here? I am. So thank you so very much. So here is the main event. We, uh, Cameron contacted me, and we have never done this before on the show, but we're going to just open a town hall meeting. Um, we have a number of people in the chat room and a number of people uh, listening in. Um so, um, do you want to uh, introduce the board and sort of set the agenda of how we're going to proceed through this uh, town hall? I know I've got a list of questions that I wanted to ask different board members. Sure. Do you wanna... so, I'll, I'll go ahead and get started. Thank you very much, Rich, for hosting us on the Law Librarians Conversations. We hope that this town hall will bring about some conversations with our members. And thank you so much, Frank, for giving us the educational background of AAAL and the contributions of PLLIP. I really appreciate it. You're an You're institution by yourself. <laughs> um, but thank you for the sure Yes, uh, I've had grandchildren tell me that. <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed doing the research and you know, talking to people about the history, and we really appreciate it. And um, it was very informative, so thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. 
I'd also like to extend my appreciation and gratitude to our board members that are on this call and our committee chairs and members at large. They have put in a lot of hard work, certainly many uh, effort, much effort, time, and their commitment and passion for PLOIP members is uh, extremely strong, and I really appreciate everyone's work on this town hall and over the course of the last six months and then we have another six months to go. So the race has begun. We are halfway through uh, this board administration, and thank you. Uh, this year we decided that we wanted to get more members involved and engaged in our special intersection. So over the last six months, we've garnered another about 50, 50 or so volunteers to re-engaged with our association, and they've certainly made a significant impact. But going forward for, through the next six months, we'd like to have more members become more engaged with our association. Uh, we're doing that in several ways. Uh, we're changing some of our communication uh, avenues, and we'll talk more about that. Our communications individuals will talk more about that and uh, other avenues. We also, the board has been about four months on designing a PLLIP survey that has uh, recently been sent out. Uh, we want everyone to participate. It's about engagement. We have to hear from our members what they want, what they want to see improved, and how we should be spending our time and efforts as board trying to make this organization even more successful than since 1931. Uh, also, if I think someone has their phone on, if they could mute it because there's some background noise, uh, I'd appreciate it. Uh, we've also uh, are very concerned. I'll give you a treasurer's report. Laurel is not able to join us today. She's our treasurer. She uh, works with headquarters on a, a monthly basis to make sure we are on budget. We are certainly on budget. We have a healthy treasury uh, and we're getting ready to spend uh, a significant amount of money of course on the PLLIP summit that will be happening in Austin um, and uh, we always try to engage our members with increasing membership as well um, also I want to give a little shout out to Kim Cerna she is the nominations chair for this year and the committee has uh, identified to potential candidates for office uh, after the holidays, they will begin begin contacting individuals to determine the level of interest when they were last ran for office, any current association involvement, and answer any questions they may have. They will also solicit names via an announcement on our listserv, and a slate of candidates will be presented to the board in February. Uh, the current positions that people uh, that will be open for uh, to be filled are the president, president-elect. Vice Chair, uh, the Treasurer, and one member at large. So uh, if you send your nominations to Kim or anyone on the committee or even the board, we'll pass them on to uh, her and her committee. As part of our different communication strategy, every there were m many people that were putting a lot of effort into the newsletter, and it was very well received, and they did a lot of work on it. However, in just the recent months, even years, there's been less and less readership. So as part of being chair, I thought perhaps maybe interviewing people in the library field or that have an interest in libraries, more illuminaries, 
people such as Frank and Rich, maybe I should interview interview y'all uh, next time. But that's one more communication that we're taking. So as chair, I would be happy to hear of anyone who would like to be interviewed or suggest that I interview on behalf of PLLIP and certainly any questions. The interviews last 10 or 15 minutes, and then we post them on YouTube and we send out information uh, on our listserv. So go ahead. Uh, Cameron, I, I'm sorry to, to jump in here, but I just wanted to uh, do a, um, a shout-out along those lines to the um, um, oral history project that uh, uh, Pat Keogh, uh, myself, and Michelle Wu have been involved in. And, uh, there are many, uh, probably uh, almost 150 interviews of a, a wide range of uh, law librarians, including many private law librarians, uh, that have been posted on uh, Hein Online. And so for people that haven't yet had a chance to take a look at those, I really encourage that. And, and you may want to get some ideas from, from uh, just from the people that we've talked to uh, about to folks that you might want to talk to as well. Well, thank you. I did not know that, so I, that would be great. Even if you wanted to post something to our listserv about that, I think our members would certainly want to know that that exists. So I will make, make a note yeah. of that. The whole... Um, Oral history um, series is on Hein Online, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yeah. all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some it's of the people really that fair. I mentioned are there, uh, including Rich. Rich is up there. Yeah. Um, and, and but um, it's it's in the Spinelli. Um, what's he called? Right. The Spinelli reference section, uh, a portion of Hein Online. Reference bookshelf. Right. Yeah, but I, I will post, I'll, I'll I'll provide that information. Sure. Great. So that's what I'll okay. be doing this weekend. Mandy's put a link in the um, in the um, uh, chat room for yes. it. And reference. And the, there's a bunch of links and references um, that we've collected. And as Frank was reading his essay, Mandy has created a pretty good uh, bibliography. The 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 chat room will be archived. We're going to put it uh, link it to our Facebook page. Um, so for future reference, if you want to go back and look look things up. Sorry. Great, thank you. Yep. So the board has board, a monthly board meeting. So we're running this town hall essentially like a board meeting. We have the agenda. We're going to go through different items. Each board member and, and committee chair that has been invited to speak or wanted to speak will have an opportunity to do so. Then we will be happy to take questions by email, chat, calling into Richard, and we'll just go from there. So I know Mary Ann, our secretary, is chomping at the bit to tell her about what she's been working on. <laughs> Hi, Cameron. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Mary Ann Wacker. I'm the secretary for PLIP. And um, I just wanted to note we had a recent election for a small bylaws change. And the change was to, um, instead of having a list of committees in the bylaws, we changed it to where we can create committees as needed on an ad hoc basis. So we weren't limited to the exact committee names that were in the bylaws. So that passed by an enormous margin. Um, so that's, um, that's the bylaws change. So. That's all I have, Cameron. 
Okay, well, thank you. And also, Mary Ann does a great job with the minutes, so if anyone's curious about what's going on at the board meetings, they're posted on the website, so please, you know, print them out this afternoon and read them all weekend. <laughs> they're fascinating. <laughs> now, when, Cameron, just for clarity, when you say on the website, do you mean um, uh, PLLIP's uh, section on AllNet, or do you have your own? Correct. Okay. Yes, it's through all PLIPs. In the communities. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. And next up we have Leanna. Hello. And so I am the grants committee. Uh, I'm the committee chair. And so far this term we've given away the Ilpecon grant, which occurred in National Harbor, Maryland. Um, and Abby Walters from Maslon LP was the award recipient uh, for that. And she also wrote in our uh, newsletter that did go out. Um, the leadership over at ILTA were just over the moon when they found about uh, about the grant because currently there's kind of a lack of cross-association collaboration, um, but really the uh, PLLIP board is actively developing that, which we think will only enhance the profession as a whole going forward. Um, but in the near future, the upcoming grants for 2017 are the Management Institute. We have two of those. We have four grants to the PLLIP Summit. Two grants that include travel to the annual meeting, and one for Connell in Austin. Mm-hmm. And that and that's what we've got. We've got going on. Very generous. Yes, Very. I believe the board the board voted to increase scholarships and grants by about twenty five to thirty percent this year. Wow. So we're certainly uh, our members are taking advantage of it, and that's what we all everyone should be doing. No, I think that it can never be. Um, understated how important the um, annual meetings are. Um, you know, there's so much important networking and um, information about new uh, products and services, um, you know, takes place um, at the annual meeting. I just, I think it's uh, really important. And I think that one of the things that's happened over the over the past several decades, but especially this last uh, decade or so, has been the expansion of educational opportunities. I mean, it used to be limited, very limited just to the annual meeting. And now I, I certainly agree with Rich about the importance of the annual meeting, but uh, things like the Management Institute uh, right. and other activities that are now available throughout the year um, are, are also extremely important and, and are relatively new. Um, um, so the fact that uh, PLLIP is supporting something beyond the annual meeting, I think, is great. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many more um, webinars and yes, opportunities absolutely. to do things online. Right, yeah. with no additional cost. And before they used to I mean, it'd be 50 or $60. Now many of the webinars are uh, sponsored by some of our vendors. So we're very grac- gracious and grateful to them yeah. to support, you know, our education. So um, that's also really yeah. good. Now, two of our rock stars, they are co-chairs of the upcoming PLOIP Summit, Jeremy and Alicia. Would you take it away? Hi, it's Jeremy Sullivan. Um, <clears throat> just wanted to talk briefly about uh, the summit, uh, which started way back in 2010 as kind of a uh, an event associated with AAAL attached to it, but a separate day of programming. Um, with the idea that uh, the SIS had a number of 
issues and, and uh, concerns that we could all talk about in the same place for um, a day give us a chance to gather and uh, network. One of the goals for the summit was to um, put uh, the law library or the information center in the in the private sector uh, at the forefront of legal service. Um, and that was a stated goal back in 2010. Now, as we're working on um, our eighth uh, annual summit, that remains the goal. Um, we are looking, we're working hard with our um, current committee to uh, develop programming and uh, communicate uh, what that programming will be in the very near future so that um, everyone can plan to attend what we think will be another uh, highly successful and valuable uh, summit event. The summit event, is it always one day, um, like the Saturday before AAWL gets ramped up? Uh, yeah, that, so, so the, the initial one was actually a day and a half. Um, but um, since then, yes, it's been, it's been um, the Saturday before um, a full day right. of programming. Yeah. Huh. I'm always so, so as, jealous. <laughs> so as part of our survey and engagement, there are a couple questions that are directed specifically about the summit. Future boards of PLIP may consider different alternatives for the summit, you know, perhaps mixing it into the AAWL conference, perhaps keeping it as a standalone. So we really have to hear from our members to tell us what they want. Are they happy with the way things are? Do they want to see a change, et cetera? So be sure, plug in that survey. Please fill that out. It's, it's so uh, vitally important to us. Um, Speaking of education, can we move on to Jim Center, our co-chair for education? Hi, everybody. Um, yep, this is Jim Center. I'm from Jones Day in Los Angeles. And um, I am the co-chair with Jennifer Berman um, of McDermott of the Education Professional Development Committee. And what we do is provide um, educational programs to the PLLIP membership via webinar. So um, we have about 15 members of the committee, and we're they're all really energetic and active. And we've we've had a, a conference call. We're going to have another one in January. But in the meantime, we've put on two webinars, and I hope some of you have been able to attend or or listen to the recording. But uh, they were both wildly successful. We had one in October. Um, Diana Coping presented. Um, Sarah Malden moderated it on analyzing the analytics, and <clears throat> that was a comparison of legal analytics platforms. We had over 100 attendees, and um, that one you can, if you miss it or you want to hear it again, you can down <clears throat> you can download the recording and the slides on the PLLIP homepage, and I believe it's also available on the. Um, PLLIP library in the My Community section of Allnet. Um, in that was October. In November, um, Ron Kamenecki, who's an amazing IP guy, uh, he presented on the basics of in-depth trademark searching, and we had at least 80 attendees. I don't, I don't know how many exactly at this point, but. Um, that was fantastic. If you ever need to do any trademark searching, check out this, um, check out the recording of this presentation because 
um, talk about in-depth, you can, well, it was titled Basics of In-Depth Trademark Searching, um, <laughs> and I hate to see how how much further you could get with the advance, but it was amazing. Um, you can download that. It's not on the PLIP homepage yet, but it is in the in the library in our uh, My Communities page on AllNet. <clears throat> so just to clarify, these are PLIP seminars as opposed to AAAL seminars. That's right. Um, we and have one scheduled for December, but it had to be postponed, so it's going to be in probably the end of January. And uh, Julie Hughes and Mark Gediman are putting together this uh, webinar on uh, structuring and formatting of uh, competitive intelligence reports. So that should be good. <clears throat> also in January, we've had a presentation on mindfulness by Wendy Maines, um, and that was uh, initially scheduled for the second week of January, I believe, but it, it's having to be rescheduled as well because our speaker um, is unable to make that date. Uh, so uh, we'll keep you posted as soon as we get dates and times. Um, in February or March, Lucy Kersey Gonzalez is going to do a presentation, or she's coordinating a presentation with other people on uh, membership libraries. So uh, expanding your collection without having to really expand your collection. And we're really looking forward to that. She's going to have a number of um, membership library folks um, on the presentation as well. So further down the line, we have um, in the works uh, Julie Hughes and and, and Eugene. Um, <laughs> I forgot his last name. Eugene Giudici are going to present a two-part webinar on artificial intelligence. Um, along those lines, Ed Walters from Fastcase, um, who's also a professor at Georgetown, is going to do one on robots and the law. And uh, the uh, the always energetic Mark Gediman is working with the co-chairs of the Legal Marketing Association, CI Group, to present a two-part webinar uh, down the line. And uh, we have a few more ideas on the horizon. But if you have any webinar ideas, please contact me. Uh, it's jcenter at jonesday.com or Jennifer Berman, that's jberman at mwe.com. Or uh, lastly, if you have submitted a program proposal to the AMPC and it was not selected for 2017, it just may be a candidate for a, for a great webinar. So let us know about that too. That's all I have. Thank you, Jim. So a round of applause really is should be handed to Jen, Jen, Jen for yeah. putting all these together. It's really a lot Very of work. Impressive. They're really committed. I appreciate all their work, and you know we're all being educated because of it. So if there's a member that has a topic that they'd like to present on, please reach out to Jim and Jen. Uh, you know any other topics that you'd like to hear, as he suggested, just a they're very committed and they've got a really strong committee. So thank you both. Uh, sending a virtual high five as well. Thanks, Kevin. So how many how many um, webinars like this uh, do you host a year? Um, I'm not sure of the past, but uh, we had hoped to do one every month. Um, this wow. This uh, year, but it's it's 
you know, we kind of got a slow start. We've, we've only had two so far, the October yeah. and November one. Um, but, yeah, we'll end up with w- one or two in January at least. Um, uh-huh. And are these um, open to only PLLIP members or to anybody, or how does that work? And is there a cost involved? There's no cost involved. Um Cameron, I believe they're open to anybody, although um, they're often geared towards PLLIP sure. folks. Yeah, but a lot of those topics, I mean, the trademark topic, as as one example, I think would be of interest to a wide range of librarians, not not just um, private librarians. Yes. Oh, yeah. In the analyzing the analytics, that's something that is outside of a lot of academics' um, direct experience, but we certainly need to know about it. And really, I'm going to, I intend to go back and, and listen to that one. Hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, really are the, cool. are, are, do you publicize them beyond a PLLIP? Um, we have not, Jim. Yeah. I think they are in the AALL newsletter that comes out. Yeah. Right. So we've done no actual push for that, but that's something we can certainly consider. I know AALL has some sort of, uh, you know, webinar hosting abilities that it's limited. So certainly the podcast or, you know, the recording is available later. Right. But not necessarily all 4,200 members could call in sure. and listen sure. to the webinar. But I'm not yeah. really sure what those limitations are. Yeah. But well, obviously you're, you're, you're focusing on your own members, which makes sense. But but as I say, it just strikes me that um, uh, some or if not all of these would, would be of interest uh, to others and, um, you know, uh, I, I think one of the uh, things that's been um, at times over the course of the last uh, 30 or 40 years caused some tension is um, this uh, distinction between private law librarians, academic law librarians, uh, government law librarians, et cetera, whereas the truth is that there's much more overlap than there is uh, differences. Obviously, there are differences, but but there's a tremendous amount of overlap that sometimes kind of gets lost in the in the in the story. So, uh, anyways, that's for whatever that's worth. Yeah, and you're right. There, there's certainly lots of cross pollination, and we're trying to do more of it. It, it is just a very slow process. I mean, sure. So absolutely. that's something we can consider, you know, posting to the other listers, other special interests, you know, since they are open. So thank you for the comments. Now, Linda, Jean, and Kevin on communications and websites. Yes, thanks, everyone. Um, this is Linda Jean Schneider from the PLLIP web team, and I'm actually reporting first for Andrea Gustalian, who's chair of the communications committee, who uh, is attending her son, six-year-old son's um, holiday concert uh, right now, so she couldn't make it. Um, but um, I'm happy to be part of this conversation and for her because uh, the communications committee is a significant part of PLLIP and has done so much work, um, and Andrea is continuing that as well. The basic goal of the PLLIP communications committee is to help facilitate internal PLLIP communication and make sure our members are informed about the section's activities. Um, most of you know communication is a constant challenge in every area of life, so <laughs> it's a, it's a, a valiant 
standard that they bear. We also want to encourage networking and discussion among members and want to fill a public relations function and get the word out about what our members are doing and how they are adding value to their firms or organizations. We're, um, Cameron referred to we're in the process of making major changes uh, to how we report internal PLLIP SIS business, such as board meeting minutes and ballot information. Instead of sending out a monthly newsletter, we disseminate SIS administrative information via the My Communities, and we'll also post it on the PLLIP internal website as necessary. My Communities will also be used to welcome new members and to highlight news about our SIS members, such as awards, upcoming presentations, and published articles. News items of potential interest to a wider audience, such as published articles and conference presentation summaries, will, are posted on, on Firmer Ground, our external blog. On Firmer Ground exists to help promote our members' value to our law firms or organizations, so we want to use that platform for items pertinent to law firm administrators, marketing, business development professionals, attorneys, and other legal industry professionals. Possible items to be posted on, on firmer ground will also include vendor, vendor interviews, product reviews, research tips, and think pieces. We look forward to our members' contributions as we move forward and uh, re-channel uh, our communications um, in the future. Now, uh, a key part of this is our website, and Kevin Miles will enlighten you uh, about that uh, specifically and how that is evolving as well. Kevin? Kevin? Kevin, are you on mute? <laughs> yes, I was on mute. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Oh. It's bound to happen to one of us, so thank you. <laughs> I'll wind it up again. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, yes, our, our primarily, uh, primary website is the AAAL website that we've all learned to work with. But in order to distribute more information out there as quickly as we can, we're using um, uh, WordPress websites uh, that were started by Steve Lastris, and they're fairly easy to operate, and they're pretty generous about letting us post documents there. Uh, another uh, website that we use is Constant Contact, and uh, we use that primarily, well, we have used it in the past for our newsletters, and we're using it now for surveys. So we're not tied to one website or uh, per se, but we're distributing everything out so there could be more participation and stronger, more efficient communication. <clears throat> so that's that's the end of my report. Thank you, Kevin. Also, it's a lot of work for Linda and Jean and, the, and Kevin and their committees to keep all this updated and make all the changes and keep it fresh. So thank you for uh, all the hard work as well. Now, uh, Lana Bevan, who's the chair of our membership committee. Hey, thanks, Cameron. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, just going to briefly tell you guys what we're up to in the membership committee. We're actually uh, really this year trying to kick our committee into a, a higher gear, I would say. Uh, in, in previous years, most of our efforts have been focused on um, welcoming new members, letting them know some of the great features of SPLIP, and also reaching out to new AAAL members who fit the SPLIP profile and maybe work in private law libraries but have chosen for whatever reason not to join us um, in SPLIP. So that's, that's been what we've pretty much done for the most part in previous years, and we're continuing that. 
Uh, in the last 18 months, um, we sent welcome emails to 94 new PIP members. Uh, we've also sent recruitment emails to 59 new AAAL members who haven't joined us yet. So hopefully that's resulted in some new flip membership. Uh, but we're really also trying to kind of push beyond that. And the first thing that we're doing is trying to get a better sense uh, from our members of the things that they're most appreciating and they're getting the most value out of from flip so that we can channel that great information into our recruitment um, materials. And also reaching out to the people who actually were former PLIP members, chose not to renew to find out why, you know, what's, what's um, discouraging them from renewing and uh, see if we can kind of uh, make some improvements uh, based off that information. And then also looking at sort of gearing up to an increasing membership drive and lots of um, communication and advertisement in the new year leading up to the annual meeting. Um, you know, really publicizing the FLIP uh, grant for the summit and the annual meeting and getting people excited about to Texas in July. So um, that's kind of our area uh, for this year, and we're really excited about some of our new ideas. We're a really big committee, actually. Uh, Alana, Alana, sorry, Alana, there's sorry. really a there's lot of really background, background noise. noise. Someone has their, Someone blog, has their blog on while listening while without, the, without mute the mute button. Hmm. So, uh, I don't... Alana, I'm not sure who it is, but we're okay. having trouble hearing you, Alana. If you can continue, sorry I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. I, oh, it's much I better. will wrap up. Yeah, okay, great. I will wrap up and, uh, yeah, just say that we are um, really excited. We have a, a big group uh, for the first time since I've been a member of this committee. Um, lots of really great ideas. So we're definitely looking forward to gearing up for the annual meeting. And that's it. Thank you very much. Um, if I could follow up with the question, I think it was Jim that was just talking about the um, web page. Is uh -huh. the web page on farm, firmer ground? Or is that a different web page? Oh, for the uh, recordings, um, I was talking about the PLLIP uh, page, uh, the special oh, okay. interest page of That's AllNet. Right. Oh, okay. So on firmer ground, is that a an independent um, website, or is that a part of PLLIP? Linda Jean, can you answer? It's really our external blog. Steve Lastris and John DiGilio several years ago uh, started the blog. And, um, oh, okay. Yeah, if you recall, I mean, I, I think it was, it's was. it been around for quite a while. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, and in the way things are evolving, um, you know, that, that seems to be the way we want to push everything out to everyone without any delay. And, and uh, On Firmer Ground has been a, a great way to provide uh, that opportunity for people to contribute um, okay. to uh, communication channels. Wow. You know, the one, one thing I would say about the various platforms, so uh, there was, a, uh, I think it was Kevin that talked about having three different website uh, platforms and, and various blogs and using my community, all these various things. Uh, the one thing that ha that has the potential for, at least for people that can't keep it all straight, speaking personally, 
uh, is that, um, you know, it's easy to kind of lose the uh, identification with PLLIP. Um, you know, so, I mean, Rich is asking, well, who does that? Is that PLLIP? Is that someone else? And as more things proliferate, I mean, it's it's good that the information gets out there, and so maybe that's the ultimate goal, and and associating it with the, with the uh, SIS may not be as important. But when you're going, when now you're talking about uh, membership and wanting people to, to join and understand the value of, of being a member and, and what you can get out of it, uh, and if they don't even understand that X, Y, or Z is coming from the section, or if there's confusion about that, that's a, you kind of um, it's as if your brand uh, gets diluted, if you will. So I I just throw that out there for whatever it's worth, just as to be sensitive to um, not not suggesting well you should stop doing all those other things, but rather just make sure that people understand where it's coming from and, and so forth. Thank you, Frank. That's something to consider. We might want to, with our membership emails, we might want to specify here are three different avenues of communication that you should follow. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, it was decided to post to on Farmer Ground so people's identities and individual uh, personas would be promoted, not necessarily that of PLIP. That's a good but, point. And mm -hmm. also that it's a broader audience. They have much much broader audience. It includes sure. the ILTA members who post, LMA members, um, and a few other organizations. Got so it. mm -hmm. it's just another way to get information out there. Yeah, yeah. Right, because, you know, things on my communities are, are only open for members. So um, right. it helps have that and in the, the PLLIP universe, there are some outstanding resources. Um, on firmer ground, Dewey Be Strategic and Three Geeks and a law blog. I mean, those are – and then there's um, one or two others that are, um, I think, equally as um, important. But they're places that I go to on a regular basis to find out what's going on. So – it talk about fertile ground. It's uh, um, the private universe is um, is very rich. Good stuff. Onward. Well, but again, I think the point is is that those aren't limited. Uh, those yeah. are, go beyond my communities, as an example, and aren't limited yeah. to PLLIP members. And in fact, as you, you're pointing out, just from your own perspective, often have information that's going to be of interest to um, to a, a, a wider audience than, than yep. solely private librarians. Right. Which is all good. I mean, again, I wasn't suggesting that any of those are bad things. Just that, uh, to the extent that it's important to um, to um, demonstrate to uh, members or potential members of the section that the section has value, um, you want to make sure that the things that you do do, you get credit for. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. So yeah. maybe we can work on putting together. These are the resources that PLLIP uses for communications, and here are other great idea right resources there, that yeah. you know. Generally, this is what we also use. Sure. Right. So thank right. you for the suggestions. We only have about two more reports, and then we'll open it up for questions. But right now, I'm going to turn it over to Elaine and Scott for a discussion on the Elevation Task Force. 
Cameron. Thank you so much. Um, this is Elaine Egan. I am the uh, chair-elect for PLL, and my colleague Scott Bailey is the immediate past chair for PLL. And we would like to speak to the members uh, about the Elevation Task Force. The Elevation Task Force is not um, something that is uh, unheard of, I think, uh, in the PLL community, because as Frank so beautifully illustrated earlier, evolution and energy around this community is one of the hallmarks of the private uh, PLL IP uh, members. And insofar as there have been changing roles, consolidations, relocation, and outsourcing reported in news outlets and blogs throughout our community over the last year, in the spring of 2006, the board formed the Elevation Task Force under Scott's leadership, and it continues through Cameron's, and I suspect it will be continuing through my leadership in the coming year, with the principal objective of empowering our members with a toolkit and communication tactics that inform law firm leaders of the value, the competitive advantage, and the reduction of risk in supporting legal research professionals um, within their law firms. And throughout this process, we have been very, very engaged among the members of this task force and have been working with a creative marketing strategist by the name of Bill Camper, who has helped us frame the priorities that are targeted and, and measurable for our community. And Scott's going to review those three priorities with you now that we have identified and, and where our next steps would be in order to allow the members to have the tools and the communication strategies that they need to navigate this new environment. Scott? Thanks, Elaine. I appreciate your work on the, the Elevation Task Force and obviously the section support, Cameron's support of it over the, the time that, that we've been working on this. Uh, we've got a great strategic group of law firm leaders together to discuss this, and I think it's been a really interesting evolution. Um, I think that uh, basically we're, we're talking about the financial and business pressures uh, that are, are unique uh, to the firm environment to some extent, but as, as I think Frank said earlier, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an overlapping thing as well. But we're, we're trying to figure out how can we, you know, tap into the, basically the PR process through our work with uh, with Camper, the, um, with Bill Camper, I just got off the phone with him actually, talking about micro-targeting these different uh, leaders. So essentially, the C-suite and law firm leadership. Uh, sometimes we lose visibility in there, and I think that was what was identified as a, as a core issue or threat was that um, the communication uh, and our strategy to reach outside. We've talked a lot about internal communication pieces today, things that uh, help us with our own professional development. But I think a lot of it is uh, the access to the outside environment, to the industry in general, that are the benefit, uh, beneficiaries of our service and uh, the stakeholders, right? The purse strings, all of that, uh, that type of thing. So evolving a, a strategy to access the leadership in firms and, and even to the client level, something that uh, firm librarians do every day and our corporate uh, librarians do every day. So how do we how do we get that message to those uh, to those C-suite uh, end users, uh, and also the um, you know basically the tactics 
that will uh, create a, a PR campaign. And so we've got a couple of good opportunities coming up. Uh, there's a, a legal tech um, uh, you know, in February, February 1st and 2nd through ELTA. Again, outside resources. This is not a section resource, but you know, legal tech uh, best practices about you know the hours and and uh, the the, um, the toward the sun plans that we're doing dealing with in the firm environment, 24/7 ways to uh, basically have a higher profile service. What we want to uh, learn, especially from uh, our members in the section, is what their challenges are. So if if uh, if it's not producing more with less, or the changing client demands, or outsourcing and downsizing, if there's another uh, challenge that you think we need to be addressing, and uh, basically respond directly to those leaders, we'd uh, we'd like to hear from you. But um, the general uh, campaign will be well underway by the um, the July uh, meeting that we're going to have on this, and there will be a program around it that has already been accepted by the AMPC about uh, basically the PR process and how we have access to those, uh, those leaders and other organizations that we've mentioned today too, like ILTA and LMA and ABA. Uh, and sections are already being formed in those other organizations with our members in it. And that cross-participation, uh, especially in ILTA, and I believe Gino Grady is uh, working with uh, ABA to ensure that our image is, uh, is elevated and we get our message out there other organizations and that end user. But, uh, we, we're actually considering uh, technology uh, issues, the micro-targeting of ad, ads. Uh, direct spoke uh, a little bit today about are our end users really reading and how can we get in there. Um, you know, we're, we're providing resources to them all the time. We know what they, what they are, uh, but how do we get a better, uh, higher statement of value in there? How do we elevate things like the white paper that came out earlier on ROI? in a way that uh, law firm leaders and corporate leaders uh, find that uh, resonant. So that's, that's the objective of, of the elevation task force. So just to chime in um, with Scott, this is a pretty hefty um, body of work that we're trying to create here for the members. And as Scott indicated, so much of our communication efforts have been really among ourselves as opposed to outside our organization and even outside of what we are most identified with. And as Scott pointed out, we're reaching out to the ABA, LMA, and ILTA as a way to elevate and communicate among those members of our industry who are most uh, influential in how we are perceived and how we are brought into decision-making aspects around the business of law. And what this task force really wants to do is create an, a way in which we are managing our marketing and public relations outwardly, but also giving our members the tools and talking points that they will need to respond on the ground. Because so much of what is happening in the business environment for law firms is very personal and very much on the ground day to day. So this is a, a really a task force that I think will be an ongoing commitment um, that PLL will have for many, many years in order to manifest a change in the environment that is 
beautifully stated um, through that long history that, that Frank shared with us, and I was particularly touched to hear Jack Ellenberger's name mentioned so frequently because he did finish his career at Sherman and Sterling, where mm-hmm. I am now, Absolutely. and I had the honor to really know him when I started out in um, my professional life, and he was someone who you aspired to be. And I think so much of what Cameron is trying to do right now through engagement is aspirational, that we as a community really need to undertake and drive our own careers through the aspirations that we have through our vocation. And this is part of the Elevation Task Force overall goals and objectives uh, for the community. Uh, If I might jump in here, first I just want to uh, thanks for a shout out about Jack, one of the most special people in this association's history. Agreed, agreed. Uh, and and uh, he's uh, uh, one of the uh, the oral histories on the Hein, uh, Hein website is, is of Jack Ellenberger. I encourage everyone to, to take a look at that. It's very, you know, it's touching and it's it's uh, he's just a font of information and, and stories. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to, to mention more directly on topic here is that uh, you talked about this being kind of a, a needing to be an ongoing effort. And I would just point out that really uh, the PLL, as well as AAAL, but in particular PLL, began this effort uh, more than two decades ago when they started the, the resource series, which was a series of um, uh, eight to ten page uh, um briefing papers, I guess you might call them, that were directed not internally but rather externally in the same way that you're talking about. They were they were written for the purpose of uh, being handed over to people in what we now call the C-suite, which we didn't in 20-plus years ago. But um, uh, And I, I think it's fascinating how this has evolved, but the, the, the rationale for that that uh, program, uh, the, that set of uh, briefing papers, which uh, were updated in 2011, is exactly the same thing of what you're talking about. But I do think that, you know, those are that's the old style. That's that's long gone. You have to come up with other ways to do it. And so I'd be uh, very interested to watch uh, what comes of your group. But but I would say, yeah, I mean, the the the, the one thing I would disagree with. Uh, is uh, don't call this a task force. This is something, this has to be an ongoing, never stopping effort. So a task force sounds like it's temporary. We're going to get in, we're going to do the task, and then we're done. And and clearly this will never be done. Well, Frank, I would agree with you on that. Um, As as you probably are aware, that sometimes when you have to form very quickly. um, Sure. Yeah, so I, I think that in a year or so from now, uh, the board may look at this as a more strategic need and have uh, some discussions about whether or not we should uh, vote to make this a standing committee or get some guidance from AAAL on maybe forming a joint effort. Because our challenges as, uh, in PLL in our, in our careers are, are really no different than some of the challenges that our academic and government members Absolutely. also face. They're just, it's just That's a great, call. great point. It's, it's yeah. just that I think the privates have been facing them longer uh, yeah. than, yeah. say, the academics. I think the government librarians have been facing them for, for longer, too. Yes, but, and, but and the, maybe they, even more so. The academics have definitely woken up to it. There's no question about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we we are all challenged with this on uh, different levels. 
um, I think from the, the private community, things happen so rapidly that sure. um, we needed to respond uh, rapidly as well. Yeah, and so, I, um, I didn't yeah. mean to criticize that. No, no, I, I was I, just I using that so as a way, of, a way of emphasizing that uh, th these are things that don't go away. They just change. I mean, they the, just change. The, Absolutely. The specific thing that you need to convey changes, and the way that you're gonna that you can convey it effectively changes. Uh, just like those resource guides now. I mean, you know, they just paper the floor with them. That they they wouldn't be worth much. The content would be, but they would never get to the right person through That's that. Right. Exactly. Our more recent uh, conversation focused on micro-targeting our, our end users using technology, but uh, of course wasn't uh, there with the papers, but we're still talking about those uh, resource guides and the white papers that the firm produces or the, the association produces and how do we get, how do we get that uh, even using domain names or IP addresses into the right uh, place. Right. So I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely a continuing conversation Absolutely. and evolution of methods. Yeah. Well, I, I congratulate you for being Thank on top you. of it. Thank you. And, yes. and also, if we have people who are listening um, after this is recorded or on live now, uh, both Scott Bailey and I, are. we welcome any suggestions that you may have or any risks or threats or even great opportunities or wins that you would like to share with us. We value that information enormously. We learn from each other, and without the engagement and contribution of our members, um, you know, we fall short a little bit if we don't have some of those great ideas that are sent to us. So thank you. If you could do that, we are welcome to receiving uh, information from you. So thank you, Scott and Elaine, on the task force. So we have about 15 minutes, and so we're just going to hear from Elaine, your incoming chair from July 17th right. or 18th, maybe, about <laughs> what's to come, and then we'll go ahead right. and take questions. I feel a little, this is Elaine Egan again, I, I feel a little like incoming chair talking about what's to come when we're really just halfway through the current um, board, but of course, you know, things operate very quickly. There is no question that you'll be hearing uh, more about the summit forthcoming, and we're really, really excited about that. We have a wonderful committee in place and strong chairs, and so I'm excited about that, as is Cameron. Other things that we should be looking forward to are certainly the changes in our communication channels, and I'm, I'm delighted that um, Linda Jean and Kevin were so clear in, in what was happening on that end because, as was pointed out earlier, we're sort of in a state of change where we're testing what channels really are most effective. And through the Elevation Task Force, we also want to reach a broader audience. So there is more of that to come. Obviously, the Elevation Task Force will be reporting out on uh, some of the things that we have learned and some uh, tools that we can share with the members and some measurable outcomes. We are really committed to engagement, and I know that that may sound very uh, commonplace among many professional associations, but without the engagement of our members, um, a community like ours can sort of drift away a little bit. And it was so wonderful to hear Frank talk about the history of PLL through the AALL uh, lens and how we have really transformed what we do. And I see that as tremendous potential and, and really a building block that we can continue to draw upon. So our engagement, volunteerism, is a deep commitment that we have made as a board, and Cameron has really 
been such a strong voice in our community about that. So we really want to continue in that vein. And, of course, as you know, our marketing and communication and education efforts that will reach a further audience concerning our professional development through grants and scholarships and, fortunately, the, um, the support of some of our vendors who allow us to reach an audience through WebEx and create opportunities for our members to learn beyond what they would be able to seek out on their own is a continuing commitment that PLLIP has. So it, we look forward to a really a great next six to eight months and then another year after that, and with each board building upon the other. Thank you, Elaine. And we will turn it back over to Rich for questions. And again, thank you to the board for participating in this town hall and for Rich for hosting us. I hope everyone yeah, has a well, happy holiday and happy new year. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Cameron. Well, thank you, and it's a um, great uh, pleasure on my part to um, to uh, make the podcast available for this forum. I've learned a great deal. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's just so interesting to me how um, uh, things keep changing. The longer I'm in the profession the more um, not only does the, the material that we work with change and the formats and all that stuff, but the um, character of the uh, organization continues to evolve and adapt to, you know, all of our needs, wants, and purposes. So this has been really fun for me. Um, I know I learned a lot, and I'll bet Frank did too. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. And I really want to congratulate you all um on all the things that you're doing. Um it's uh really a testimony to um you know your own talents and your own enthusiasm that you're uh um you're willing to to work on so many different fronts and developing so many um new programs and um you know and you're taking advantage of all the uh technology that's out there um you know and putting the word out um you know it's something that came up earlier frank mentioned you know about the different sources of um um information you know it it's one of the sort of curses of our modern age is that there are so there's not only so much information, but so many places that you can go to to get the information. And um, it can be um, overwhelming. But I think it it's only overwhelming if you um, let it overwhelm you. I think that, you know, as information professionals, we need to keep our ears wide open and our eyes wide open to uh, constantly be scanning the universe you never know what the next uh, new source is going to be. Um, and it's, I think, in the aggregate, it's probably all good, you know. Um, and part of what we're responsible for is uh, curating it to the extent that we can for our own purposes and for our users' purposes. 
um, you know, what's good and, and what isn't. But it, it's just admirable and, and from my point of view, uh, all the resources that you're taking advantage of. It's fun. Very fun. Um, there's one or two people that are on the – there's one person that's on the call um, who I think was a listener. Did, did anybody on the panel who's currently on the phone listening to this um, have any questions for anybody else on the call? And the chat room has been uh, surprisingly quiet today. Um, we've had no questions come in. I think that's because we covered it so well. I was <laughs> just, I was I thinking agree, exactly Cameron. the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys have done a great I job. Think. This was really fun and exciting for us. So uh, thank you, yeah. everyone. Yeah, and I just want to um, just give you all a uh, fair warning um, I'm trying to, we're, we've been resurrecting uh, law librarian conversations um, this year, and we're committed to um, producing broadcast uh, every month. And we're going to be turning to some of you uh, to participate. One of the things <laughs> that I love to do on this, um, on the podcast, is get firm librarians talking with academics and um, trying to share with us what we should be teaching, what are the things that, um, you know, the kinds of skills that our students need to um, be equipped with and be aware of when they go out into the real world. So um, I'll be calling on some of you to um, to join us at a later date. And, Rich, one last thing. Can uh uh, yeah. You mentioned that the Diversity and Inclusion Committee will be hosting a similar town hall next yes. January, January 20th, I believe, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah, and I've already gotten in trouble for that. I'm on the Parking Advisory Committee for the University of Nebraska, and they just scheduled a meeting on January 20th, and I had to <laughs> say that I can't, can't be there because I'm doing the town hall. Um, we I can happen always push to be it back because it is uh, well, inauguration day, so oh, it's something no. to consider. But Ooh. we can talk about that later. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's yeah, right. So we we need to change it. God, that's going to be a big day. Yeah, thank you so much for hosting PLIP, and I hope our members get in touch with us and re-engage in their organization. Thank you. Yes, and so. Um, I think that brings us to the end, unless somebody has something else to to share. In that case, we will just uh, quietly um, and without a whole lot of fanfare say uh, goodbye to everybody who's listening. Um, spread the word. Let people know that the podcast will be available on iTunes or the uh, Blog Talk Radio a website, a website uh, if people want to listen to it. And um, I thank you very much for you all for joining us and uh, uh, being our guest. Thanks again, Frank, Cameron, Scott, Marianne, Elaine, Linda, Alicia, Jim, Jeremy, Elena, Kevin, and um, 
Anonymous. <laughs> and everybody else out there who is uh, joining us. Oh, Un- thank you. you. It was a delight. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. And thank happy you. holidays. Bye-bye. You too. Everybody stay warm, Bye. stay dry, and have a great time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.